So hi, this is Tuliva Gatkins. This is episode 25. 25, hooray! Of our Treasure Island Pedagogies podcast series from the Center for Innovation in Education at the University of Liverpool, where we share our light bulb moments, teaching props and pedagogies as we cohabit our Treasure Island, the space for contact time with students. I have the pleasure of introducing our guest today, Nokutula Talajoa Muhasla. Lisa Weaver and Charlotte Stevens. Um, so can I ask everybody to introduce yourself, your original discipline and your current role? Yeah, Tuli? Yes. Thank you, Tinder, for having me Yes, I really appreciate this opportunity. Uh, so I'm Nogutula Tlalaja Mukhatla. I'm at the University of the Free State in the Faculty of Health Sciences within the Division of Student Learning and Development. So my role in the division, I'm academic head as well as senior lecturer. I give support to all enrolled health sciences students, and I also facilitate three soft skills modules for um, the medical students as well as the B radiation sciences students. Thank you, Tuli. Great to have you here. Uh, can you. I move to Charlotte, please? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Charlotte Stevens, and I am at the University of Warwick where I am an assistant professor focused in digital education in the Academic Development Centre. My original subject is English literature. Um, I spent a little time teaching English at undergraduate level, and then I went on to spend 18 years at the Open University in the UK um, in roles broadly based around student support, including uh, one of the SETLs, Centres of Excellence in Teaching and Learning, uh, in quality, in management of systems and staff development. And uh, I joined the University of Warwick uh, on the 2nd of May of this year. Thank you, Charlotte. And so many uh, people who end up in digital education, I think, come from English, I find, as well, which is really interesting. Uh, thank you. Lisa? Hi, thank you, Tende, and thank you for the invite to share my experiences today. So. My name is Lisa Weaver and I'm a professor at Warwick Business School, also at the University of Warwick, uh, along with Charlotte. Um, if we go way back, my original discipline is actually um, in the social sciences in geography. So I actually studied my BA undergraduate at Liverpool, which was um, one of the reasons I was really excited to be invited to talk um, to yourself today, Tunde. Um, when I graduated, I, I went into business and I qualified as a chartered accountant and I, I worked in practice for a number of years, but then I moved into education. I was always very passionate about education. So I worked for a time in the private sector. So I was training students who were taking their professional accountancy qualifications and was also doing um, executive education as well. And then about 12 years ago, I um moved on a part-time basis into academia. I was at Aston Business School for six years. And then in 2017, I moved to Warwick Business School. So my, my current role, as I said, I'm a professor in the accounting group. So I'm, I'm teaching on a number of um, technical modules. But my, my other role is I'm a teaching lead. And what a teaching lead does at, at Warwick Business School is we we help our faculty in our subject group. So we have a supporting role for more junior academics, particularly to help them develop their own pedagogy. So I have that role as well as doing teaching myself. 
Thank you very much, yeah, for all all of you to introduce your journeys. Can I ask you then to share your light bulb moment? So obviously you've been doing already uh, many things in in your teaching career and education. But so if you just wanted to share one of these with our listeners, a moment when you felt your students were getting it, whoever your students may be, and what made this happen? If I may go. Uh... So I, I actually had to decide, am I going to talk to today as uh, the support giver or do I speak as the lecturer or do I just mix the two up? <laughs> so I really need to now channel my thoughts. So um, I think what I'm going to speak to now is a student support element. Um, student support is always associated with problems. Students only come when something is not going right, basically, or students get referred when their marks are not reflecting um well so when we think student support we think oh poor child needing assistance but my bulb moment um with relation to the student support element came when i realized students actually have the solutions to their problems we think we should be the ones who always come and give solutions but it's impossible for me to have 1840 solutions and that is our number of students that are enrolled um per per year so why I say this is in the context of you don't need to be a leader in order for you to be in leadership position in order for you to lead. Uh, so it goes back to when you actually have conversations with the students and you ask them what went wrong, what do you think you can do in order for you to improve the situation, you do realize that at times it's perhaps just guidance that they need, but they do have the know-how of what is it that I need to do. So for me, Every time when I sit in front of a student who came and knocked on this uh, division store, it's not about bringing solutions to the table, but to find out and actually guide them on how they can go and access the solutions that they already have within themselves. So that for me was like, oh, yes. That sounds really empowering. And as so, well, wow, with Charlotte, Lisa, does this come up in your areas? It used to in my role at the Open University where I was working in student support. I think a lot of students actually know really or have an inkling about what they want to do next, regardless of the situation. But it's more about talking to somebody and getting them to understand their perspective, which helps them make that decision. And perhaps they don't always have somebody to talk to outside of education. I agree. I think you sometimes have to have the relationship between yourself and your student almost like as a, as a coach and a coachy because students I think often come wanting you to tell them what to do maybe they just feel more comfortable if they have that direction from from an academic or professional service uh, member of staff but actually I think exploring issues and helping them make a decision themselves is much more powerful and it's certainly how I try to have my own um, relationships for example with my personal duties. Mm-hmm. Yeah and totally is the, are these usually um, let's say as Lisa mentioned academic problems or other ones? At times uh, they would be referred uh, because of the academic um, marks. But when you hear the story behind, there are social issues, there's emotional issues, there are a lot of other factors that do play a role. So as someone who knows what I can help with and where I'm limited at assisting the student with their specific problems, I do refer them to the relevant people. 
So we used to have a social worker within the division. The minute I hear that this individual probably didn't perform well in an assessment as a result of not having paid their rent, um, the bursary hasn't paid in the money, because we do have a financial system which supports a lot of our students, but the payment is always four months after registration and some landlords are not patient, you know. So a student would probably miss an assessment as a result of the landlord chasing them out and they can't write and if they miss an assessment, they need to go and find assistance on how now they're going to write a sick test or whatever form of test that could now supplement the one that they missed out on. So it's a combination of, and also even if it's just academic, it's not just academic because someone might, might say, I didn't study. And you ask them, so why didn't you study knowing well that you were going to write a test in three weeks time? And then only to find out this individual probably had food problems, but is not comfortable at that point to tell you that these were the issues. And only when they come back and then maybe a month later, then you're like, remember when I came to see you? Yeah, this was the situation. But then I wasn't, you know, comfortable to tell you this because I didn't want to burden you with my issues. So it's always a combination of, I can never just say it's one thing. It's a, yes, it's a lot of things that normally takes, takes place. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think we've got an important role in being able to signpost students because I think as as organisations get bigger and bigger, students don't necessarily know the right people to contact for their for their issues. And I think that's one of our roles, isn't it, to understand in student support to understand where to signpost students and where our where our boundaries lie. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's so true, uh, as well as how how many potential, I mean, I can just imagine how many potential areas we could signpost students at Liverpool, for instance, if they came with, I don't know, you, you were talking about maybe not being able to write or things mm. like that. Yes, yeah. Okay, and any other light bulb moments? Well, mine is is um is very much from a personal space, really. Um, I, I was a, an immensely creative child. Um, and I was always making things, uh, and but I never found a connection between that part of me and the workplace until <laughs> I uh, made that connection during COVID uh, when I stumbled across Creative HE, uh, where I met a group of creatives from other institutions who had bought their passions for music and the arts into their teaching and learning. So I made that connection. So I guess that's the first light bulb moment for me. Um, one of my roles, I'm going back to my open university experience. One of my roles in that team was to act as a kind of communications lead, but that wasn't only an external communications lead. It was a, it was a role within the team to get, to get team members to build a better sense of community and communicate more effectively. Uh, so I bought a number of creative initiatives to that team, including reflective exercises based on crafting, uh, sharing talents, having Christmas um, craft sessions. And this encouraged me on a personal level to step outside my comfort zone. These were things that I loved to do as a child, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have associated them with work. But it also encouraged other team members to do the same. And I'll, I'll be honest, you know, at first, not everyone got it, but everyone joined in to some degree. Uh, so as I said, um, we had a re reflection through crafting exercise where I asked the team members 
to look back on the past year, bearing in mind this was during COVID, and make something that told their story of the year. Uh, one person created a wonderful video, another person modelled, you know, themselves sitting at a desk. Um, I had origami and photography. It was wonderful. I then moved on to a talent sharing exercise. Uh, people came along and, and for 10 minutes online shared their talents. We had yoga, sugar craft, wild swimming, you name it. Um, and I noticed during this <laughs> during this time that, and from the feedback I received, that team members were developing skills in doing this. Um, they were rediscovering passions that they had, or they were reigniting them. Uh, one particular team member was interested in crystal healing, and she brought this stuff along to the team to share. And they they went away really inspired to go back and do something they they'd once got much more involved in. Um, and I felt that I'd created a um, and supported a kind of a space in which people could explore their own creativity. Um, and of course, it came at an important time during COVID. Um, and most, I think, most if not all of those initiatives were online. Um, and I've since left the team. And at the time, you know, we try these new things and we often wonder how well they go down. Um, but uh, I was so heartened to read on my goodbye card. Thank you, Charlotte. Countless times. Thank you for bringing this creativity to the team. So I left in that positive space. That sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, it definitely gave me an idea for our reading, for our reflections. But yeah, that sounds so, uh, you know, just bringing your passion into your work. Yeah, I, I was also thinking, as Charlotte was explaining, I always ask students, what more can someone see beyond this individual who's enrolled for health sciences uh, degree? What more is there to you other than being a nurse, a doctor, physiotherapist? If you're a cook, how can you incorporate that while you're studying? If you're a singer, how can you incorporate, you know, that while you're doing something else? Because what happens with our students, once they come into this environment, which we know is overloaded, you hardly find time for yourself and so forth, they just tend to be this one thing. Um, I'm a medical student. I'm a nursing student. But then I always also tell them that Michelle Obama said, you are not one thing. You are many things. So where are the hidden talents? But then the next question again would be, do we have environments that actually allows the students to showcase these other hidden talents? Because the only thing that we focus on, are you coping with your workload? Do you know the content? Are you ready for an assessment? Are you practically, you know, prepared to go and do this and that out there? Perhaps, you know, having a Charlotte, creating that environment, imagine what we can see among our students. You know, less uptight people, less mental health issues perhaps. So, wow, that's brilliant, Charlotte. Thank you for that. Thank you. I mean, there is a sense, isn't there, when you start embark on this kind of journey that it, it might be perceived as a little bit frivolous, mm -hmm. that um, people don't take it so seriously. But, you know, looking back on it and reflecting on it and receiving those comments, mm -hmm. I realised that, that was, I, was, I was creating an, an, an important space for people mm -hmm. to not only share creativity, but also to develop their skills. And I think I think it also increased the sense of belonging online that we didn't have before. 
I mean, to me, what sounded, Charlotte, then, especially with that member of staff where you mentioned about crystal healing, that sometimes people were able to reconnect with parts or discover new things. So it's not not necessarily even just the sense of belonging to the team, but important self-discoveries that could, Absolutely. I guess, then could change people's trajectories. And, and then, how, as, as you mentioned, then how they brought it back as well. Because I'm guessing that with the reflection tasks that you mentioned, you probably got really good quality of, or insights about just because it was a different way of, of getting at what yeah. people um, got from the year, for instance. Yes, it was very, it was very different. Yeah. And you saw people in different ways. And certainly the person that I was talking about who it, it reignited her interest in crystal healing, she was then thinking about scholarship and research as a result of doing that. And I thought, yes, this is all, you know, wrapped up in what seemed to be when I started out, it was a kind of, it felt like quite a risky thing to do to sort of put myself out there and say, let's try something fun and see where it goes. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. great. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. What about you, Lisa? What's your line bar moment? So I'm going to talk about creativity, but in a a very different way um and it's all linked to my discipline of of teaching accountancy and the problem with teaching something like accountancy is that it is very technical and students seem to approach it or certainly to me students come into the degree thinking that they're going to be instructed and taught right wrong and it's all about numbers and there's no room for being expressive and being creative and i've i've always really wanted to challenge that and to put it maybe slightly differently to make it fun you know i think sometimes teaching is extremely serious yeah. and <laughs> Um, again, may, maybe it's quite <laughs> inherent in my own discipline. I think there is what you might call a signature pedagogy of everything being very serious and very important and linked to professional exams. I'm not saying that teaching always can be fun and expressive, but I really want to try to bring it into my teaching whenever I can. So one of the things that I do in um, in one of my final year modules it's an audit module as I do some role play so there is some technical learning and the students do have to know certain rules and regulations to get their professional body accreditation but we try to introduce just a little bit more fun and a little bit of creativity so we do role plays around um uh, it's actually a real situation there was a company that basically had a fraud going on where I won't say the whole story because it will just take the whole podcast, but basically what the company was doing was inventing um, these these assets, these jewels that they were holding in those accounts and saying that they were valued at like £11 million. And it was just a big fraud. So eventually the company went bankrupt and when an investigation happened, these these precious stones were just like pieces of rock. And they were worth, you know, about £50 or something. So this was a real company, a real story. 
And obviously it has a bad side as well because the company did eventually go bankrupt and lots of people lost their jobs. So there is obviously a place for talking about things like this in a very serious way. Um, that's why people are accountants because we hold people to account. And the, you know the directors in this company were, um, were obviously being fraudulent and, and criminal in their behaviour. But that's just the backstory. What I do with the students is I bring into the classroom a load of old jewellery and we do a role play and I, I don't prep them for it so that they've got no idea what's coming. I'll just walk into the classroom one day, split them into groups and I'll give each of them, say, an old um, bracelet or necklace or something and I'll give them this real company set of accounts which has got these jewels in there valued at £11 million. And I just say to the students, right, I'm the client, these are my accounts, off you go. What are you going to ask me? How are you going to find out if this is really a piece of jewellery that's worth £11 million? Because so I can tell you right now it's not, but these are my accounts and I'm telling you that they are. And you know what? The first time I did this, the students were really uncomfortable because they were really outside their comfort zone. You know, they're, they're used to being told, like, right mm -hmm. and wrong, and this is the rule, and this is how we value um, gemstones or what, what have you. This is what the rule is. And they kind of didn't know what to do. They didn't know what questions to ask. They didn't know how to behave. But you know what? By the end of it, after sort of half an hour, they loved it. And they were becoming actors. Uh, you know, and I was the dodgy client, and they were questioning me as if I was in a, a court of justice, and they were they were shouting at me, "This isn't true. This can't be true." So it's only a, it's a very simple exercise, and I only do it once um, in this module. I do I do other things as well. It's just an illustration, but it really was my light bulb moment because before I did it, I, to be honest, I was a bit frightened. I was thinking, "What if the students just look at me like I'm crazy?" And just sit there with their pen and paper waiting for me to write down, this is what the auditor should do. I, I didn't know if they would actually get engaged with it at all. But it really showed me that if you just brave and try these things out, the students usually will get on board with it. Now, I can't do this every week. This is one week out of 10. It's a big module. I, I can't possibly run it with 350 students, so I can run it selectively. Um, but what it really shows me is if you give students space to have fun and be a bit creative with how you're teaching them, then they'll remember it. And when you see the feedback from the students on this module, the thing they always say is we love the fraud role play. It's the one thing they remember. So this makes me think we should do more of it. I mean, that's why it seems to resonate with what Charlotte was saying about being brave sometimes as a teacher yeah. and an educator and trying out something new. And because you don't always know, uh, you hope it will go well, but you, you have some trepidation yeah. around that. But it sounds like, again, both of you, it's, that's the memorable um, bit then that the people will remember because they, they have almost like had a, a, yeah, that experience of that. Yeah. And I think on a more, I suppose on a slightly more serious note, that the, the, the objective of this exercise, it, I mean, it is technical to an extent because there are some questions that the students should be asking. But to me, it really helps them with their, their skills and their, their employability side of things as well. And I've had a number of students who 
having done this role play exercise have said to me, oh, do you know what? I went to an assessment center. I was I was um, commended on my ability to ask questions and to um, to really think through problems rather than uh, maybe just state a rule and how it would be applied. So I, I think being creative and letting students just think and have fun can help them develop. A bit like Charlotte was saying with her with her team members, it's very similar in the classroom that what you're really yeah. developing is this kind of hidden side of people that I think students don't think there's a place for that in the classroom, but there so is, there really is. It's very inclusive as well, isn't it? Because everyone is having a go. Um, and yeah. that doesn't always happen, does it? It's, you know, and uh, yeah, everyone everyone has a chance to be creative. But yeah. it, it takes it takes courage to do it, to lead it, but it also takes courage to take part. And I think one of the things I learned is that not everyone likes it, but that's okay. That's okay. If you if if you if you don't feel that you you can make something or you don't you, you don't have the confidence to that that's okay and i think it being a creative it's very easy to look at the world and think well of course everyone can be creative but actually we're on a almost on a continuum aren't we um some people are immensely creative some people are kind of shy of it um and uh it, it it's about understanding that and i could relate when lisa said they 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 tend to be uncomfortable but as time goes, because I also used to, you know, just come in one day and just tell them, so this is going to happen. Before I proceed, can someone please remind me what I discussed last time? But as time goes, they actually become comfortable being uncomfortable. And as we proceed, when we do do the reflections, you'd find that someone has a better way of saying it. It's like, ma'am, can I add to what he was just saying? So you'd target one individual. Can you kindly remind us what did we do last um with the last session and then someone like i remember this much oh thank you and then someone like oh i would like to add and then someone like oh i would like to add so giving that that platform and even if they're uncomfortable they eventually get to a point where they're like oh we we she, today is going to be the day where she's going to nominate someone and they're already ready to be uncomfortable so <laughs> yes yeah and then just on the point of fun that this different kinds of fun isn't that is so because what you were talking about although could be seen as a fun activity, but um, it was with a purpose. Like, just sounds like your students who went to the assessment center was able to have the agency of being asking questions because they already had the deep end of actually challenging someone on where the diamonds. <laughs> and here it was, so so they've already had a go once at least with that. And so sounds like. There is a lot of depth to that form that, um, the, uh, as we said, they were learning. Yes, I, I think students, I said before, they, they, they treat their studies sometimes very seriously, which of yeah. course is commendable. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I think they also should be encouraged to bring a lighter side into things because I think it helps them learn. I'm, I'm not an expert at this, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I really think that when students are a bit more laid back and um, they, they feel able to express themselves, something happens and they, they just remember and they, they feel more capable after that experience than if I'd just done a boring old lecture on PowerPoint saying this is what the rules are or what have you. And, and I really think that encouraging, 
a more light-hearted approach when it's appropriate is is quite an important part of of teaching. Yeah, so that seems to be the common on all all three of your contributions so far is creating this space for an ideal space for the students, like truly about your the students being enabling them to coach them and lead lead them to solutions themselves and and the other two examples as well. So that was really interesting. Okay, let's let's go and start sailing towards our island now. So this is about you choosing a, a prop. Uh, teaching proper pedagogy that you would like to take to your treasure islands. Any takers? Um, well, I suppose because we were just talking about um, being creative. Mine, I, I, I had a prop and a pedagogy. I hope you don't mind. Um, I mean, I'm very interested in understanding the value of learning from an individual perspective. And a lot of my work has centred around uh, evaluation and understanding um, impacts of staff development. Um, so I, for me, there's this whole link between evaluation and reflective practice. And I think that would be, um, and learning through reflection. And I imagine there'll be a lot of opportunities to reflect on the island. So I'd like to take reflective practice with me as a model. Um, but in terms of an object, I would like a bottomless box of arts and crafts materials. Uh, to use to engage islanders in creative and reflective activities and just see where it takes us. That's a cool idea. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> Thank you. As I was say, I have a similar prop, Charlotte. Um, it, it wasn't really in direct answer to this question, but I, I have quite a famous Perspex box in my office, uh, which is stuffed full of um, different coloured pens, uh, post-it notes, stickers that I've I've stolen from my little nieces and nephews with animals and rainbows. Um, there's even some glitter in there, I think. And what what I do with my Perspex box is at the end of every module, um, in the final seminar, we have a, a reflection where I get the students to make a flip chart, just showing their their journey through the module. And it, it, it's just meant to be a real lighthearted reflection um, to capture their thoughts, which I don't think we do very well, um, certainly not in the institutions where I've worked. The module comes to an abrupt end and that's it and, and goodbye and good luck in your exam. And we don't really take even half an hour to think, well, wh what have we actually learned and what did you enjoy and what will you remember? So my Perspex box, I think, is probably similar to Charlotte's Desert Island prop but my colleagues roll their eyes when they see the perspex box coming out <laughs> i think they think i'm a bit so strange <laughs> love it it's almost like you've discussed this before coming on to the program yes. <laughs> they have so much thing hey you know it's like wow but i must say i can relate with the creative aspect not that i've mentioned it but um, when I usually get invited into a class setting where the performance hasn't been great, say for instance, only 30% of the class performed well and 70 not so well, I bring my sticky notes and I tell them to please share their sticky thoughts. So what is it that stuck with you in relation to the mark? Because a lot of times there's a lot of negative emotions that they experience and some can shake these emotions off. So we'll be like, before we proceed, guys, before we do the evaluation, the post-test evaluation, just tell me, just share with me, um, you know, the sticky thoughts that you have with, the, uh, with relation to the outcomes. 
and I will collect those and I'll just also inform the lecturer of the module that they feel they no longer feel confident, they don't trust themselves, just for them to be aware of what is the, you know, the feeling around the marks. It's not that students want to fail, of course, we know that, but then sometimes the severity of not performing well on an individual can weigh very heavy on them. So yes, I do that through sticky notes. That sounds great. So in Tulane, in this role, are you acting as a conduit between the educators and the students? Or what's, can you talk a little bit about that, just how this process works? Because that sounds quite interesting. Okay, so when I joined, which was 2016, oh, funny story, I'm actually from biochemistry, so hardcore sciences. And all of a sudden, overnight, when my husband said, please come to the same town, uh, I had to go into soft sciences. So um, within the division, when I got there, we used to deal only with those who didn't perform well. So if it's 70%, we'll have the 70% coming through and we'll only hear one side of the story. Um, 70% yes. of? The class, say for instance, the whole class uh, average, only 30% pass, could be the first test. Maybe okay. students are still adapting to the environment as well as the content. But then over the years, we then saw that, yes, there's a, neg there's a lot of negative emotion that comes with the feedback from the student. And having to take this back to the lecturer can be quite heavy on the lecturer. It's like, am I not doing my job? Why is it? Why is the problem with me? Is a student doing their part? Then we went and spoke to our colleagues to perhaps sacrifice an hour of their class time to just accommodate us into the class where we speak to everyone rather than just the guys who didn't perform well. And it was a bit of a hustle to actually, you know, score the time, but some do agree. So when you go into the classroom, even though you're going to carry out this task of finding out where did you go wrong because the, the outcomes are not so good, but you do it in a fun way whereby you're not here to come in, you know, tolerate me now on why did you fail? But it's a matter of, so what do you think happened while you were preparing for the assessment? And what do you think you can do better with the next test? And once you get the feedback from the students, I compile a report to say, these were the outcomes. Preparation time for the students was three days. Um, and usually for such content, you'd need two months. So they don't have sufficient time. They didn't have sufficient time because of the back-to-back -back classes or there were other tests happening. So the lecturer also has, you know, insight of what could have hindered them to know only three sessions uh, of the assessment and they didn't perform so well. So that is how we go about it. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. So we have got reflective practice, arts and craft books, glitters, perspex books, uh, stickers, and then sticky notes for sticky thoughts. Anything else that you want now that you've got this mixture? Is there anything else we should take to the island based on what you all said? Or uh, for me, the humanistic approach. So um, this is what we basically. Um, you know, the approach for us, these are our values within the division. We do know that students are, they're not really open to the idea of asking for help. So when someone actually decided to take that bold move, the best thing one can do is to, you know, just shield that person in the sense of be compassionate with them, uh, you know, show them that you do respect them coming here despite the situation that brought them here, a bit of kindness. Um, and that also fosters, you know, 
an ongoing relationship so much that students won't just knock when there's issues, but it's also a matter of, so now I'm doing a bit well, but I would like to up my marks by 10%. Where do you think I can go? You know, so for me is the humanistic approach that definitely will take with. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's ample space for that in our board. <laughs> Anything else? So we we rowing away. But I mean, I with all that talks of creativity, we will have plenty to do. But yeah, go on, Lisa. <laughs> I would like like to take um, a time machine to slow down time, because there's so little time as as a as a teaching professional, and you get ten weeks to teach a very big complex subject. Sometimes it's not possible to do it and have all this fun and creativity and glitter and and fun. So I think if we could have um, a clever scientist to come along and slow down time so we could teach what we have to teach, but to have a little bit of fun as well, that would be on my list. But um, I, I don't have this invention, unfortunately, so perhaps it's a little bit of a, a challenge for the for the island. It is such an important statement. Sorry, Tunde. And also, while we teach, to also check in, is everyone on board? Because we hardly get the opportunity to just go and check in if everyone is on board. So we're going and some people remain behind and only at the end do we go and see that, unfortunately, I lost so many people already. Yeah. And it's about understanding barriers, isn't it, to yeah. to learning, yeah. whether that's barriers to creativity or, or, or learning in general. It's about understanding those and trying to overcome them. Because I was going to add, Lisa, that's a brilliant idea and I'm sure it's possible on the island because that's exactly <laughs> what makes a treasure, magic island. But then it just makes me think about also about personal time that you could almost expand that to students having their own time machines as well. So if they need a little bit more time to understand something, they could go away in their TARDIS or time warp and then come back and so i think that that would be quite a powerful thing to have on the islands yeah love it <laughs> you could okay. also use it for reflection couldn't you you could use it yeah. for reflection so you could go back in time and think about the decisions that you made yeah and you could also go future you could go forward in time and then think about well how how did what i learn really help me now it's 20 years yeah. on and i'm so far in my career it was that degree in accounting or life science or whatever, what was that useful? Was it the right thing? So I think you could go forwards and backwards. I was thinking a student one day, Lisa, will be getting their jewellery out and taking it into the <laughs> class and using it. I'm sure, I'm sure it's so memorable, isn't it? I will never forget that. I'm, I'm glad and, and I'm really glad that um, it's it's made not just us on the on the podcast, but our, our listeners think that learning about business and especially accountancy is not just about numbers. It's about asking questions and being professionally sceptical is, is kind of the buzzword. So I'm, I'm really glad that it's been a memorable example to share as well. Definitely. Um, okay, so finally, you've, you've um, maxed out on teaching as in, you know, we need some space for relaxing. So this is the question about what luxury item would you bring for when you're off duty and off teaching with yourselves to the island? I'll go. So as a biochemist, it's still in me, the experiment part of it. So I like experimenting in my kitchen. Um, I, I know COVID hit me very hard when I couldn't travel. Uh, and even when we, you know, went back to normal, 
you know, you were a bit skeptical. Is it safe to go, you know, you didn't actually wanted to put yourself out there because you were trained for one, three years to kind of preserve yourself, stay safe. So I usually just get into the kitchen, research, look up a recipe. Sometimes I would be in short of one ingredient, but I find my creative ways around it. It might not be glitters and stickers, but I find my creative way around it. So um, cooking for me, definitely, it calms me. And I also experience other culture through food which I sometimes, I don't even know if it tastes exactly how it's supposed to taste, but the experimental element in me just allows me to cook and try out different dishes, even though the kids and my husband don't want to join in. But yeah, at the end of, I finish the food because I feel very bad if I have to let go of, you know, throw out food. So it's what comes me. Thanks, Dooley. Dooley, I think the islanders would love your your cooking on the island. I certainly would enjoy it. And I... Uh, yeah, I would bring my music collection because uh, music is really important to me. I love popular music. I love dance music, indie music, rock music. So despite being a boring old professor of accountancy, I do like to dress up in sequins and have a good old dance. So I hope I would bring that to the island and give it a bit of a festival theme in the summer. Well, party you've taken it a step further. <laughs> In the sense that I love music too. Um, so I would bring, I'm always bringing a bottom of this box, sorry, of musical instruments. Um, and I've dabbled in plenty of um, different instruments and I've taught ukulele and I sing a lot. So I'd like us all to form a band or and to learn to share and express ourselves through music. That would be great. It would be a bit of a din, but it would be great. Sounds brilliant. So we've got, uh, I think the, the this island experience will be amazing. Okay, I think that's probably a good point to stop because um, we've had some great creative discussions on this. So thank you very much. It's time to sail away to our treasure islands together where we have all these uh, lovely food, party, singing, dancing, listening to music. So to our listeners, if you thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe to our podcast. And if you wanted to join a guest, please fill out our expression of interest form on our Liverpool Uni CI website and also access our blog posts of these episodes. And so goodbye for now. And finally, a big thank you to our guest today. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.